Welcome to season two of Consciously Uncurated. I'm Leslie. And I'm Michelle. And we are so excited to invite you into our beautiful, messy lives. This will be a space to talk about the real stuff and hopefully leave you with some practical takeaways. Think of it as rent a best friend for when you need us. We hope this podcast allows us all to be human, to feel, and to lean in. To catch our latest episodes, follow and subscribe. We're glad you're here. Hi, Michelle. Hi, Les. How are you today? I'm fantastic. Super excited about today's episode. Yeah, we have some very special guests that soon Leslie will introduce. This is the first time we're doing this kind of round table. Mm -hmm. So Les, I know these people are very close to you, so I'd love for you to introduce them. Yes, I'm super excited to introduce these two women. Both of them have shared their wisdom and have been mentors to me in my life. So Michelle and I thought it would be super cool if we could introduce these ladies to you in sort of a red tent scenario. And if anybody has actually read the book, The Red Tent by Anita Diamant, it's a fantastic book about this whole sisterhood of women where we come together with multi-generational women and we talk all things women, all the things that people do not want to talk about and and lucky us we get the opportunity to do this with two of your good friends yeah people who i care about i would love to introduce two of my dear friends michelle and cindy so we've got two michelles today (laughs) one l and two l michelles yeah these ladies have really just been pretty awesome in my life and i know that they've shared wisdom for me yeah these are women who are career women they've had successful careers and successful organizations Mm -hmm. they are living in thriving healthy marriages i'm sure they've had their ebbs and flows (laughs) with that (laughs) they've been married for decades both of these women and the cool part is both of them have raised Mm. two beautiful daughters for each family and so it's a really cool aspect and I know that both of these ladies and they're going to share with you in a little bit have grown up also in households of women Mm -hmm. or in immediate family or extended family where there was sort of a sisterhood of women so we'd love to just touch on this whole idea of sisterhood as well as more importantly menopause yeah what it means for us as women as our bodies are aging we want to talk about the things that Michelle and I feel are not being talked about well that's the problem right I don't think this happens enough. The fact that we can do this and just be honest with each other as women and share our stories, I think is a huge opportunity. I know for me. So welcome. Michelle Michelle and Cindy, hello. (laughs) Hello. Hello. (laughs) First thing I wanted to ask quickly before we get into this, how did you guys feel about this when we invited you to do this? Be honest. Oh boy. I I was excited actually because I don't think we talk about this kind of stuff enough. You know, it's it's one of those things that seems to be a, a taboo subject. And yet deep down, I think we all want to talk about it. At least I do. I, I want to know what other people are going through and, and what they're doing about it. So I wish we talked about it more. So I was excited that you asked me to be here today. Thank you. Thanks, Cindy. I feel the same way, Cindy. I just think it's so important. I I think it's important that women get together, like you say, multiple generations. You talk through some of these things. I think we can learn so much from younger people and older people. It's such a great opportunity when you can have those moments. And I don't think we talk about it but I was pretty nervous, like, what the heck? I don't know if I can talk. I'm not a public speaker. I can't hardly string a couple sentences together. 
Sometimes <laughs> when I need to. Right. So if if you guys are all together with your friends, with your girlfriends, does does this kind of conversation come up? Like really? So Cindy, I know you grew up with a sister, but then you had lots of extended female cousins. And then Michelle, you grew up in a house full of girls. Yeah. So did you guys actually talk about, you know, when you got your periods, when your body started to change in menopause or perimenopause, how did that play out for you guys? Mm, yeah, good question. I grew up on a farm, so I was more the rough and tumble kind of tomboy as a, as a young girl growing up. But the scenario led, lent itself to that. But I was surrounded by female cousins. Most of them were younger than me, so they weren't going through the same things as me at the same time. But once we kind of all hit that point where we were all having our periods, then yeah, absolutely. We'd have sleepovers and we'd talk about, you know, our embarrassing moments and <laughs> what did you do about wow. it and what brand the tampon are you buying and you know all the things so I felt like I had people around me it wasn't a hush-hush topic wasn't taboo. no taboo cool you know outside of that circle of my close cousins and and whatnot we didn't talk about it I mean I didn't talk about it with friends girls that I went to school with that was a little you know just it felt too private but I could do it with close circle with my cousins and that because we understood each other. Right. Mm. There's a trust there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I grew up with, you know, four sisters. So there's five of us and my mom, I'd say when I was thinking about how we sort of grew up that way, there was a pretty big age gap between us, like 12 years between the oldest and the youngest. Yeah. So a lot of times we didn't really get into some of those things, but I do have to say that we don't have any topics we don't discuss, but I don't remember talking about a lot of that stuff, like my period, maybe with my sister who's closest to me, we talked a little bit about that. We did talk a lot about life and, you know, we ate dinner together every night and we had lots of family time. And so we, you know, so you we discussed this around your dinner table. Well, Some we didn't things. discuss all these things, but we just, there was no topics that we didn't talk about and we we're very okay. open and we shared everything. Like we shared bedrooms, bathrooms, all that stuff. So you had no personal space. So it was all, it was just like <laughs> a crazy, crazy time with all these women. I'm sure it was crazier than what I can remember because, you know, with six women all having periods, I mean, it's got to be crazy, right? <laughs> Yeah. Your poor dad. I know, right? What I ask you is the dads. So, Sydney, your poor dad, you and your sister and your mom, and then your tough and rumble farm dad, cowboy. Right? <laughs> it was it was just, just girls. Yeah. And so Sydney, tell us a little bit about how your dad dealt with all this. Did you guys just not talk about it around him? Yeah. You know, we talked about a lot of stuff, but that one was not a topic that we brought my dad into. You know, I, I don't know why other than I think it just made him uncomfortable. It wasn't because I was embarrassed to talk about it with him, but I, I just think it was one of those things that, you know, you just kind of felt like, well, what purpose would it serve? Like he, he didn't need to know. If he did need to know, we'd say something, but just didn't really involve him. So we didn't have supper time conversations about who has their period right now <laughs> right and I just want because I know that I have seen this my kids were in sport and so there would be a girl and she'd be crying because of a bad hit <laughs> and she would say to her dad sorry dad I'm crying but I'm on my period 
And I just, thought, oh my gosh, I never said that to my dad. Would you, would you have said that to your dad? Probably not. My remembrance is that he was probably pretty unaware. I mean, he knew we were girls, but I think it was just always handed over to my mom to deal with, you know. And I think for me, being more that tomboyish figure, you you didn't show weakness. So there was no crying in front of dad. And there was no, you know, oh, sorry, I can't do chores today because I have cramps. No, we were still out there doing what had to be done. Right. Yeah. I would say I grew up in a different era where we, I would never have responded like that. I think that's amazing. That's how much we're talking about some of this stuff nowadays. Kids are way more open to to say things like that, which I, when I grew up, you wouldn't sucked it up and you didn't say too much about it. Yeah, it's yeah. true. And even in the gym, like I had to go quietly to my gym teacher to say, I'm not feeling good today. It wasn't an announcement, you know? Yeah. <laughs> now I'd be like, I, I got my period. And well, I, now, I, yeah. I my, for gym. <laughs> my daughter's like, I'm, I got cramps. I ain't doing this today. Like it was, a, it's, it's just out there. Mm-hmm. And it's like, yeah, okay. Or sorry, suck it up and get out there anyway. Mm-hmm. So I suppose like if we had like a headache or a nosebleed or something like that, we would say those things. Right. Why is having our period anything different that's happening to our body that we wouldn't just say what it is. Yeah. And I think the girls now, I don't know, you know, do you feel you, you, your girls are outspoken with things that are supposed to be so quiet and taboo back in the day? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would say they are way more to talk about that in, you know, just generally than Normal I would problems. have been. You know, just I think boyfriends and girlfriends, even before marriage, are sh- really open about this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I don't think I shared this with my husband at all. I hid it. Just <laughs> <laughs> quietly close the door. <laughs> the crackling, crackling of the tampon wrapper. <laughs> yeah, it definitely was different in my house with me raising my girls. My mom didn't grow up with any help from her mom. When I was growing up, it wasn't that my mom didn't want to share with me, but I think it was more she didn't know how. It wasn't so much of her saying, okay, Cindy, here's how this is going to play out for you. It was more me coming to her with questions. And she was very open to answering any questions or, you know, if I had like a traumatizing, embarrassing situation that happened with my period, I knew I could go to her and say, this is what happened. And she could relate. She became very open about talking about the things, but more because I think I was asking for it as opposed to her, you know, sharing with me. And so because I grew up in that environment, I wanted to make sure that my girls didn't feel left out of the conversation. And so I made a very asserted effort to make sure that they understood what was going to happen to them before it happened to say, you know, this is not a bad thing. This just happens to everyone. And so we might as well be prepared. But you're right. There's also a different vibe within this new generation that they do have a comfort level. And maybe it's because we as moms shared more with them. I don't know. (laughs) Well, even my boy, it's an easy conversation that he has now with his girlfriend because of that, because I made sure that all of this kind of stuff, you know, I wanted to make sure my kids feel as though this was just regular conversations so that my son Mm -hmm. now got into his relationship with his girlfriend. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. And I know my girls will say things around my husband, you know, when, when their dad is in the room more to make him squeamish, (laughs) but, but we feel like this is just normal now. Like they are having a bad day. They will say, you know, I don't feel good today, dad, go easy on me or, Oh, sorry. I just lashed out at you, but I'm having my period and I feel awful or, you know, so they definitely will say those things. Whereas when I was growing up, I didn't. Right. And isn't that just fair that why, why should we reserve the right to be uncomfortable and have mm-hmm. cramps and bleed through our panties and the boy don't have to deal with it? The people yeah. that are in our lives are fathers and our husbands and our boyfriends who care deeply about us. Why would we hide that discomfort from them? And not only that, we're kind of doing them a disservice because mm-hmm. if they don't know what we're going through, then how can they be empathetic? How can they know how to approach us or how do mm-hmm. they know how to be a comfort to us as well when mm-hmm. we're in the same room? So true. Yeah. It creates that intimacy and connection. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This is a perfect segue into then perimenopause, menopause. You ladies talked about preparing our daughters for their period. And I don't think anybody prepared me for perimenopause. What did you guys find? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I wouldn't say that I was prepared either. I guess I'm one of the fortunate ones, maybe because I haven't had super severe symptoms. So it kind of was just, you know, slow and easy. And I'm experiencing this later in life than most people. I'm already 54. So you know, to still be going through this, I feel like I should be through it. But I lost my mom two years ago. So now that I'm in the thick of it, I can't even go to her and say, what did you do? You know, which is what I did all these years. That's where I'm at. Yeah, that's a tough one for sure. The place that you would have gone would have been your mom, right, Sydney? So that's hard. Yeah, exactly. And I'm trying to think back, well, what was it like for her? And what was she going through? Can I remember what she was going through? And what and what did she do about it? One of the things I do remember is she at one point did look into hormone replacement therapy. Yeah. And for a while, that was her savior, like she did it for quite a while and actually encouraged me to to look into it as well. Um, But that was several years ago. So and she shared that openly with you. How did that conversation start? Well, she had I don't even remember where she got onto it, I think was talking with a bunch of her friends. And then she looked up this doctor that was in Edmonton. And they had this was back in the day of information on DVDs. So they gave her a DVD (laughs) and she went home and watched it and (laughs) said, yes. Oh, my God. Yeah, she shared that with me. And this was oh probably early 2000s. And so I actually did look up a doctor here in Calgary. But in the end, he gave me some good advice. I did go on the therapy for a little bit, but I wasn't in that phase yet of experiencing symptoms. So I didn't feel like it was worth my time or my money at the time. It was very expensive to continue doing it because I wasn't, you know, I wasn't really seeing results, but I wasn't having symptoms then either. So perimenopause luckily I had some really close girlfriends that work and and also people that I worked out with the gym with and we went for coffee every week together and so we just talked through a lot of those symptoms and it's funny because I've always said I'm gonna age gracefully I'm not gonna do anything I'm just gonna wear my wrinkles and my gray hair as they come and you know had that kind of view and it's like you realize it all changes at once and it's like what the heck like I cannot handle all these changes like okay I'm gonna keep dying my hair 
how about wrinkles? How about menstruating and figuring that out? And just all these different symptoms just kind of bombards you at one time. And I Mm -hmm. felt it was crazy how you just all happens at one time. And even for some people, it begins to layer. Yeah. It's it's one thing and we don't really notice the symptom. And then another thing comes in and then it just layers and layers. (laughs) Yeah. And you talk to people and people say, oh, I'm having this. And I'm like, me too. I didn't even realize that, you know, it's like yeah. the power of suggestion. Then you realize that you're <laughs> going through the same thing. So I think that's why it's so important to have times where you can actually talk through this stuff because you feel like it's normal. And then you hear what other people are going through. It's just so encouraging. Being able to compare notes. And yeah. so when you both went to your doctors, were they helpful? Did they know? Did they just say, ah, it's just, you're fine. You'll, you'll get through it. I went to my doctor a few times, but I just kind of feel like they, well, what are your symptoms and we can manage your symptoms. And I just, I really had a hard time figuring out what were my symptoms that I wanted to treat. So I didn't find them very helpful actually through perimenopause and that time. So I just took the advice, I think from a lot of my girlfriends tried different things and sort of stayed active and and connected. And I think that kind of got me through a lot of that stuff. Yeah. And that's the great thing about having a community of girlfriends. Yeah. Yeah. Like if you don't have that or even just one extra, right? One other. I mean, and if your doctor's not giving you that advice, that help, then yeah. What do you do if you don't have your people? And I agree with you, Michelle. I think for me, when I was hit perimenopause, my body just didn't feel right. I was, my period was all over the place. I would go three months without it and, you know, had hot flashes at night. And I am going to be honest, I didn't know what that was. Mm. Like, oh, okay. Like it didn't hit you. at night. (laughs) No. (laughs) Right. I wouldn't have said, oh, I'm in perimenopause now. Yeah. I literally, it wasn't until I started hearing from other women, ah, oh, pause is killing me, that I was like, oh, wait a second. Yeah, I was yeah. shocked that you didn't realize those were symptoms of perimenopause. I know, but right. my mom and I don't right. talk. You know, it's not like I sit around and have coffee with girlfriends. We're like, so ladies, how are your peris going? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Did you find that your doctors maybe didn't really even know much? Are they male or female? I have a female doctor and I go to the doctor as few times as absolutely necessary. So <laughs> <laughs> So she wasn't my first avenue to explore this. I think probably more of what I learned was either through talking like friends, as we've been saying, or I would just look it up on the internet. We're left to our own devices. Oh. Yeah. And then, of course, you kind of are in that age category. I see it coming up on suggested posts on my social media a lot now. (laughs) (laughs) So then I start following some of these doctors or these women that are speaking out about it and can relate through that as well. So I think that's been more of the path that I've taken. Mm -hmm. It's crazy that half the population go through menopause and yet we don't really have great (laughs) avenues. Like I started seeing a nurse practitioner who specializes in hormone replacement therapy. I mean, just recently, the last three years, and I find that I have to pay out of pocket for it. And I'm thinking, why? Yes. Why? Yes. 
there's all these people that go through menopause. You'd think that we would have a healthcare system that would have avenues for people to go down and to really get a lot of support through that time. Mm -hmm. Even still from, I would say, the 60s and 70s, there's actually a stigma around hormone replacement therapy. Yeah. I think less than 10% of women that choose that as an option because of fear. Yeah. Mm -hmm. There are lots of other homeopathic options for that. And Michelle, you talked about even just exercise and diet are significant support Mm -hmm. women don't know, but our doctors, when we ask them about that, I will say from our doctor that she said that they get one day of training on perimenopause, menopause in med school. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I read some stats too that GPs kind of have basic training on women's health. It's kind of up to their own initiative to Mm -hmm. stay updated on any of the latest developments or, you know, they have to decide they're going to take a course on it or go to a conference. So, Mm -hmm. you know, I don't know what kind of time they have to do that, but they're kind of the gatekeepers, right? So, If there is an issue or you're reliant on them to get a referral to a specialist, any kind of specialist, that's the part for me that's tricky. (laughs) Maybe this isn't true. This isn't a fact. But how willing are they to recommend homeopathic or natural? Mm -hmm. Yeah, Yeah, they're not. I don't think they are. I I think our doctors are more willing to prescribe estrogen, progesterone, sign the sheet and kind of be done with the appointment. Yeah. Well, I did go to a homeopathic and naturopathic doctor. Okay. First, just to get the blood work costs ridiculous amount of money. Just to get the blood work if your doctor's not on board. So if you can get the blood work through the doctor but under the care of the naturopathic doctor, that's mm-hmm. a different story. But if you can't, over $1,000 plus just to get blood work done. My doctor readily referred me for that. Right. So your doctors can, if you ask for it, they will. Yes, but through a natural... Through health. Absolutely. So, but I did try the naturopathic doctor route first. And if I what didn't have my doctor supporting that, I would have kind of not had the opportunity to explore the more natural ways. I still took estrogen. I took DHEA. I took testosterone, all of those things under a naturopathic with supplements. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's not going to be the same for you and me. Exactly. Right. Hearing the stories when both of you talk about, you know, Michelle, your friends at the gym and then your sisters or and Cindy, mm-hmm. you know, your, your cousins hearing as much information and going, OK, let's see what works for me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. When I look at what I've done, I think it's good to have your doctor for their advice and information. But I also think that because some of them don't refer. They only support Western medicine? Yes, they only support Western medicine. So they don't refer you to, you know, take different supplements and they don't know the supplements probably that well. So I think when I started going to this nurse practitioner who specialized in hormone replacement therapy, she was fantastic. I love being able to have both those views and I could make my decision what I thought was best. And I think it's good to have that, have a few different perspectives, and then we can make decisions that are best for us based on those expertise from two different points of view. Right. I totally agree. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So then in the end, what is working for both of you? <laughs> We're not promoting anything, listeners, telling our stories. It's going to be different for everyone. But if we can just share a little bit about what's working for each of us, please take that information and see what you can find about it. Yeah. So for me, I would say that because I had already visited this 
HRT doctor way back in the day. Even though I stopped the actual therapies, some of his other recommendations I kept doing throughout the years. So the first one is he said, you need to be on magnesium. Magnesium, I think, has been one of my saving graces because my symptoms aren't super extreme. So I would like to think that magnesium is one of them that's helped me through that. And then he said, definitely be on vitamin D and vitamin B12. So I have been taking all three of those for probably 20 some years already. Maybe that's why I don't have extreme symptoms, but I'm very, very grateful to that advice. Look those up and read about them. They're absolutely about helping to balance your hormones. So maybe my body was already kind of pre-exposed to these and and it helped to alleviate some of the symptoms. I don't know. Wow. That's a really big deal because Cindy, I am concur with those recommendations for supplements. This is what my doctor and the research that I've also done. And also some of my friends have said those same three things. Mm -hmm. I would say my issue was I didn't start them early enough. I feel so silly that I just didn't know I was in perimenopause. I didn't even think about it so busy with my life. If I can share this with my daughter and yeah. that she knows this in her yes. 30s mm-hmm. that she's starting on this stuff, not in her 50s. The supplements. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I've been doing a little bit. Like when I would see my practitioner, she would, I do a whole bunch of blood work and then she would kind of talk to me about my levels. My level should be a little bit higher than this. It's kind of normal, but low and you can add this and add that. So I've done a few things. So I did take estrogen and progesterone and then added different supplements along the way. And I feel like that's kind of how I'm managing it now. And do you think that it would have been helpful to have started that earlier? Or do you think it was just right on time? Yeah, no, I think I should have started it earlier for sure. I kind of just go through life thinking that things will work itself out. And so sometimes I just don't act fast enough on it. I've always wanted to go down those roads, but I never really knew how to do it or who I should go through, who I should contact or, you know, what practitioners would be the best. And so I really kind of fell into this practitioner and so glad I did because I feel like she's just given me so much information and I really view wellness very similar to her. And so I've just really appreciated that. But would that have been better if I did it 20 years ago? Absolutely. Yeah. So then I have a question in terms of physical activity. Yeah. So I know, and I've read, done a lot of reading lately, especially that the workout we did when we were 20 and 30 is a full on drastic change to when you're in your 50s plus. Yeah. We're trying to do the same fitness regime as we did when we were 20s. Yeah. And it's not (laughs) working for our bodies now because of peripenopause, menopause, and the cortisol levels have changed. So do you, have you noticed if that was part of your lifestyle uh, before and during and after either of you? So I have been fairly active throughout my life and never struggled with weight or I just got a lot of exercise through my my daily activities or the sports that I was playing, the teams I was playing well into my 30s and early 40s even. But then all of a sudden, (laughs) when the weight started gaining, and I was like, well, what's going on? Because I haven't changed anything. I'm still active. I still am, you know, being mindful of what I put in my body as far as food. So what has changed? Like what is changing? And now that I'm saying it out loud, I think that may have been one of my biggest triggers to say, you're in perimenopause. Because (laughs) 
something's happening that you had, you know, I I hadn't changed anything, Mm -hmm. but my body was changing. And then that's when I realized that, oh, just doing this run two or three times a week isn't cutting it anymore. I need to do more. I need to find the things that are going to combat the other issues that are happening. Right. And it's not the high intense training anymore. Now it's, no. it's adding weight. Weight. Oh, yes. Muscle build. Yeah. Muscle build. Yeah. Yoga. Which you think, oh my gosh, I'm not doing anything. Like, I, oh, a walk? Was that <laughs> but it's actually more beneficial for us at this age rather than the full aerobic workout. Yeah. And what I'm reading now too is that you don't have to work out for a sweaty 45 minutes, 10, 15 minutes, and then maybe two or three hours do it again, 10, 15 minutes. Mm -hmm. So yeah, now I'm adding weights, but I don't, it doesn't have to be a long, okay, put everything else aside. I'm going in for a workout now. It's definitely a different type of workout. Right. And it's changing our perspective of what a workout actually means. Have you guys read anything on why that is? Because I think when we were younger, we just were like, let's burn the calories. Yeah. We just got to burn the (laughs) Now I think our workouts are actually to regulate our hormones. Yeah. Gut health yeah. hormones. And so that 15 minute aerobic or even 10 minutes just gives us enough of a hormone push to regulate and metabolize. Yeah, it's yeah. on cortisol, right? Yeah. Your levels. Complete 180 mind shift. All hormonal. <laughs> Not calorie in, calories out anymore. Yeah. I mean, of course, you, you want to be mindful, but sure. That's what we're taught. Yeah. Yeah. And I think just being active when you're younger helps to burn those calories. As you get older, because all these changes are happening, your metabolism is different. And so you do have to be more mindful. You have to be more specific. It's not just any old thing will do. You now need to target what the issue is. Right. Michelle, you are an avid golfer. And so you are out walking miles and miles a week in the summertime. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like you look fantastic. And I wonder, you're just happy out there more than anything. Well, I used to do, I used to be in the gym all winter long and work out and do weights. And I had friends that we just, we worked out together. You do this exercise. I do that exercise. And then we switch and we did a good hour workout in weights a few times a week. And it was great. I just can't get back into doing that since everything closed down and it's just hard to get back into doing, being motivated. <laughs> to doing that. It's so important. And I think weights are so important to be using in your exercise routine. Um, But I have really dropped the ball the last couple of years. I do it every once in a while, but I'm not in a routine at all. I I mean, we walk lots because I, we walk every night and we walk the golf course a lot during the summer. So (laughs) we're getting our walking in, but I really need to (laughs) get back into doing weights because that's so important for people that are in menopause. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And with people. Do you find and that people. both of you are more motivated to do something if it's golf or if you're going to go to the gym, you're going to go with your friend, right? Cindy or you'll go skiing with on or something like that, right? It's more just for the enjoyment of being outside. Do you, how do you Exactly. Then it feels more like you're you're just having fun. You're not thinking about burning calories. You're doing it because you're having fun. Yeah. So... Yeah, it's we've earned the right at this point in our lives to enjoy ourselves. <laughs> yeah, like it's all the Whoa, like ease up. You do not give me a break. Yeah, man. go have fun. Yeah, 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 yeah totally. I just haven't been listening to it. Yeah, mm. 
when it's telling us to slow down. So as we start to wrap up here, I wonder if either of you want to leave us with if there's any advice to someone out there who's needing a little extra oomph (laughs) in managing their time in our lives. Is there a piece of advice you could leave us with? Not just menopause. Yeah. Yeah. There was kind of one other thing that I think has played into this for me, and that is just limiting the toxins that are in our everyday life. Because when you think about hormones and all the things that are affecting those levels in our hormones, I think we downplay what toxins that we come in contact with every day, like what kind of shampoo we're using or even the plastics that we're putting our food in when we put it in the fridge or burning candles. Those are all things that are releasing these toxins in the air. And I don't know that people are even aware sometimes of the impact that they're having, but they're actually, they're considered endocrine disruptors directly affecting, (laughs) you know, what we're talking about now and potentially causing those more serious perimenopause symptoms. Mm-hmm. You know, I think we need to be aware too of some of the external things that we are coming into contact with every day that you don't even think about. Your cleaning products, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. how, what's in them and your hands are touching that or your glass that you're drinking your milk from in the morning has been surrounded by this dishwasher soap. What's <laughs> in it? And so I think we can't downplay the fact that that's also having on our bodies. Such great advice. Yeah. Yeah. Don't even think about that. I know. (laughs) Actually, my kids, my son, he was the one who's like, mom, you shouldn't be burning these candles in the house anymore because they are so top. It's like, but they're 40. But it's like, that's going to kill me. Yeah. Les is like a candle woman. I am a candle woman. So I found candles, though, that are battery operated. So you you can uh, discuss the pros and cons of that. Yeah, they. I just click them on. I get the nice little glow. They actually have real wax on the outside. So I'm still getting that yeah. vibe of just yeah. soft and cozy, which I really love, but it's not releasing anything into the air. Michelle, what about? You know, I would say be mindful and learn as much as you can. Be mindful of where you're at, mentally where you're at your symptoms, Mm -hmm. things like that. Just being mindful of that and learn as much as you can and then create a group of people to help you journey through that time. I think time goes by so fast and and eventually you get through it and it works out good. And I think just finding ways to get through it in a more mindful, meaningful and enjoyable time. Mm -hmm. Lovely. Yeah. I think it is kind of neat to look back and see that we have made progress because, I mean, I was young, but when my maternal grandmother was still alive, I remember she spent a lot of days in bed. When I kind of got older and was asking my mom more about it, it basically was her dealing with her perimenopause symptoms. Wow. But the solution back then was you you didn't talk to anybody but your doctor about it. Mm-hmm. And her doctor prescribed her Valium. You yeah. know, that was kind of like all right, lady, well, you're kind of going crazy. So here's something for you to settle you down. Mm -hmm. And she went to bed. And I would say a lot of her life was wasted just laying in bed. And now, Mm -hmm. you know, here we are having conversations like this and educating our daughters. And even just with the openness of the general population to talk about mental health and the things that are affecting. I think there's a lot more opportunity. We've grown so much and and I think that's a positive thing. So I think we're on the right track. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I like that. 
Me too. Really good, Cindy. I think wow, learned a lot. Thank yeah. you for sharing your stories, both of you. I hope that our listeners benefit a little bit and can seek out some community and some supports. Absolutely. I think this was eye-opening for me and uh, such a gift that both of you agreed to come on here and chit-chat with us. What an opportunity. Thank you so much. Oh, you're very welcome. Thank you for mm-hmm. having me. Yeah, it was fun. It was really fun. Okay. Well, thanks everybody. And until next time, peace out. Peace out. Thanks for making time to be with us. This is Life Consciously Uncurated. We hope that our stories inspire you to live a life that you want to live just as you are. Until next time. Bye.